Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Set Lusting Bruce, but it's a special B-side episode. That's right. We get off the Bruce Springsteen train, and we join and talk to other fans about other fandom and other musicians, and today we are talking to John and about my first musical passion slash, slash obsession – Brian Wilson, the Beach Boys. How you doing, John? Terrific. Happy Good. to be on here. Well, I am so thrilled you are. Uh, John does a wonderful um, – kind of moderates a wonderful mailing group, and we're going to talk about that a little bit. Um, but he is passionate about the Beach Boys and Brian specifically, and we have been trying to work out our schedules to get him on for a long time. So I'm glad this worked out. So, John, you want to just tell us a little bit about yourself and then go into your kind of musical secret origin. What, Where did you grow up? What kind of music did your family listen to? Things well, like that. Okay. Well, I grew up in Philadelphia uh, with four sisters who love music and are all older than me. So I pretty much got exposed to everything there was at the time in the uh, late 50s and early 60s. And uh, to this day, they still love the same kind of music. So I definitely was exposed to things like Elvis, and they even had me dressed up in a suit, walking down steps with flashlight on me with my hair combed and a pompadour like Elvis. And <laughs> as about three or four years old. That is awesome. So, <laughs> Do you have photos? Yeah. yeah so uh, anyway, so I've been around music my whole life, basically. And uh, you know, John, one of the themes we've seen here on this podcast and as I've done some discussions is there is if you're the oldest you kind of set that standard and mm -hmm. you have the responsibility for your younger siblings and then the younger siblings talk either they rebel against their big brothers and big sisters music or it is a huge influence sounds like it was a huge influence for you Sure, sure. Because uh, you know, most of that stuff I still listen to myself today, even mm -hmm. you know, late late fifties and early sixties. So yeah, definitely stuck with me. Um, when did you graduate from high school? Where? A uh, when? When? Nineteen seventy-two. Uh, <laughs> All right. So I I graduated in seventy-seven. Oh, okay. So um, you're um, so you definitely um. You were in the ripe of the late 60s, early 70s. I mean, that was your bandwidth. Um, you know, I growing up in the 70s, Top 40 was my fan. I mean, that was where I grew up, all that stuff. Um, when you started getting into mid-team and teenage, uh, you know, what kind of music were you listening to? What did you like listening to in high school? Oh, well, I was uh, more into rock. Yeah, know, got away from that. You know, the, the British invasion. You know, I was like every other kid that took me by by storm. And every time you turned on the radio, there was a new English group, and uh, I loved all that stuff. And uh, yeah. really, uh, <clears throat> first records I ever actually bought myself were Beatles records. Yeah. Um. So uh, it wasn't until a little bit later where I dis really discovered the Beach Boys. But mostly it was the English invasion stuff, and then, uh, you know, as you grow up, you get into more progressive rock, but I stayed interested in rock. I was, you know, yeah. wasn't much of an R&B and all that in my teenage years. Yeah. So kind of um, tell me how you found the Beach Boys, because, you know, in a lot of ways, though, that's, I guess, your middle school years were their heyday, right? Yeah, sure, absolutely. You know, right from uh, almost at the beginning of grade school, they were around. But uh, like I said, my sisters were more into R&B, and uh, mm -hmm. there was always, uh, even before the Beatles, there was always kind of a rivalry between, it was actually the Beach Boys and the Four Seasons, who you, who you liked. Yes. And uh, my sisters were more Four Seasons people, but they did have a couple Beach Boys records, and actually it was uh, Don't Worry Baby. Mm -hmm. kind of was the first real Beach Boys song that really hit me pretty hard that I really liked a lot. 
You know, I was late into the Beach Boy fandom. You know, I didn't discover them till in the summer, you know, the summer after I graduated high school in 1977. Mm-hmm. So, uh, which I think is, you know, born in the USA is the, um, you know, gateway drug for a lot of Springsteen's. I think a lot of fans came to them within the summer, that first kind of collection. Um, So I had no concept of this East Coast, you know, West Coast, Um, you know, like when I did, you know, the Four Seasons, Frankie Valli, Mm -hmm. you know, I certainly knew all the pop hits that they were doing that late, but had no concept that there was this rivalry. Um, Since you were from the East Coast in Philly, um, how did you feel? You said your sisters were more Frankie Valli in the Mm. Four Seasons. How about you? Well, like I said, I, at, when that rivalry was going on, I, it was just before the Beatles, really, the early, yeah. early late 63. They were, you know, both doing pretty well. I, it was before my time as far as buying records. I was only uh, nine years old right. at the time. So, uh, like I said, I liked the Four Seasons a little more because I was around it a little more. And like I said, sure. until Don't Worry Baby came, came out, I wasn't that much into the Beach Boys at all mm-hmm. or aware of them. Was Don't Worry Your Baby kind of it? did it touch something to you or just... I just like the song. I don't know. What, what, I'm a nine-year-old kid. <laughs> yeah. what, what's Don't Worry Baby mean to a nine-year-old kid? I don't know. It just, yeah. like, it just sounded great. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was one of, still to this day one of my favorite Beach yeah. Boys songs of all times. Absolutely. Um. So, John, when did you get the bug, though, where bug? Yeah, where you were not just a casual fan, but you started becoming more passionate? Okay, well, anybody that, well, I don't know. I shouldn't say if they remembered it because I don't know if it was a big event for anybody, but I've told the story on the imagination list right. several times. Um, it's funny. um how I really, I mean, I like I said, I heard, I bought the single Darling when it came out. I always liked Wouldn't It Be Nice. There were songs that I liked that yeah. didn't buy the records. The first Beach Boys record I actually bought was Darling, the 45. And, uh, but I didn't become really, really hardcore until one day, and people don't believe that it ever even got played on the radio, but I heard Add Some Music to Your Day playing on the radio. and uh-huh. For some reason, it seemed like it went on forever because there's so many different parts to that song. Uh-huh. And I just listened. And I said, "This is this thing is this is terrific. This song. Listen to this song." And it just went on from different different lead singers, different everything. There was just so much in that song in three minutes that I had to go out and buy it. Bought the album Sunflower, and uh, from then on, you know, I had to go have everything. Uh-huh. So, you know, of course it was hard because a lot of their stuff was out of print at the time and uh, really took a lot of effort to uh, round up all the albums. I eventually did. <clears throat> but that was it. 19, some flower came out and I, well, actually it was released on my birthday in 1970, I think. And uh, it wasn't too much after that where I heard it on the radio and I just went crazy. And uh, still my favorite album to this day, actually. <laughs> you know, um, I had a similar thing where once I got, you know, after I'd bought in the summer and I started, you know, I, I, I wanted more and just mm-hmm. any eight track or cassette I could find, you know, it was eight track when I started doing it, mm-hmm. you know, you just started looking and I, and I'm going to sound like an old guy now, but mm-hmm. I know you will appreciate this. This it wasn't as simple as going to Mr. Google and saying no, Beach no. Boys, right? No, no. I mean, you had to rock, call record stores, look through bargain bins, and you know you had to do it on your own. There was, there was no uh, you know downloading a file or or just looking to see who's selling it on eBay. You had to run to every record store and, and look through the two piles and piles of records and yeah, hope you get lucky. Yeah, I would go to music land or independent record stores. And I would always go to the bees 
and I would look to try to see what they'd have. And if they had something I had not seen before, you know, I bought it. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, it, it's just amazing. So as you started listening, um, it obviously touched something with you, right? That uh, a yeah. need you had musically. Yeah. Well, uh, what it, I don't, it, the Beatles were done pretty much. It was their 1970 when I discovered Sunflower. So there was no new Beatles music. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it just, I just listened to it and I said, well, this is great. And then, like I said, you went backwards to find the other things and then you're discovering it. it took a while. I found a copy of 2020 and I'm listening to Cabin Essence. I'm like, listen to this man. And nobody's ever heard these songs. And, and they're marvelous. They're like, you know, works of art. They're, they're, they're just so good. You can't believe somebody made that song in, you know, 1966 or 67. And, uh, each album I found and discovered, it was just everything. It was like a, like a treasure box every time you found a new one. And uh, it's just an amazing thing. Yeah, you know, John, um, I, I had, as I said, similar, where you'd go and and you know you're you're listening to, you know, because I I pictured like Endless Summer that was all their hits. I you know mm-hmm. I didn't didn't understand that there were other songs, you know that that the songs on this album may not be some of their bigger hits or mm-hmm. the other stuff and. And just kind of kept going and going and, and learning more and trying to find, you know, in the news, I'd go to the library to look up, try to find, you know, books about them or because I became obsessed is the wrong word, but it's really true. You know, yeah. I just wanted to know everything I could about it. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. I did the same thing. Did – um. <clears throat> do do you remember the first Beach Boy, the new Beach Boy album that came out where you bought it new? Would it new? It would surf up. Wow. It was surf up and it came out and I had seen them. I was trying to figure out exactly when I saw them the first time. And I believe it was, I always thought it was before Sunflower, but I started looking, you know, through the, list you find on the internet to see when yeah. they were in Philadelphia and it doesn't appear they were here then so it had to have been in 1971 I think mm-hmm. that was between the two albums yeah and I don't remember them playing anything from either of my for some reason Cottonfield stands out in my mind I remember them singing Cottonfields right. in the spectrum in Philadelphia with the curtain down the middle of the of the place because they're you know they weren't drawing too too big of a crowd at the time right and uh, so I guess it had to have been between Sunflower and Surf's Up when I saw them. So Surf's Up is definitely the first new work that I bought new. You know, it wasn't something old that I was just trying to, you know, yeah, scrounge up. And I loved that album when it came out. It was great. You know, every song on it was, was terrific. <clears throat> you know, there's this this joy of knowing that you're getting – new music the same time as everyone else right that yeah, this yeah, yeah. I, i'm getting to experience it um what a you know uh, a wonderful album filled with some really um great songs and and so much beauty um did you because you're a, a, a diehard fan and you know um you you are like me. A lot of times, some of their later music um, just don't get the appreciation that the sun and surf music does. And why do you think that is? Well, you know, to this day, I'm still trying to figure out how they went from having from making that sounds, you know, pretty much accepted as one of the greatest rock rock albums ever made. Yes, and following it up with "Good Vibrations," one of the greatest singles ever made, to falling from grace so fast. Yeah, that's, that's something that's always puzzled me. <laughs> but uh, you know, you know, you can always talk about it forever, and uh, it's just a, it was a strange time. But, um, 
Yeah, it, it is. And I'm as we're recording this, um, Brian Wilson has just released a new autobiography. I've just started it. And uh, it appears that he's going to be very honest and very open about his feelings and his thoughts. So um, I don't know, you know, how far they're going to go into that change, but I am looking forward to reading it. Yeah, I haven't picked up the cup. Usually I'm down at the bookstore or have it ordered on the Internet the first day that it comes out. But yeah. His and Mike's book, they've been – in the you know unreleased stage for such a long time yes that when they finally got released they just slipped right past me and i really haven't even been to the store at all to look even look for them yeah so i mean i will get around to it i you know buy everything as soon as it comes out but absolutely you know these got a little overlooked i mean i I guess because you know you basically know the story and you know i don't know how much is going to be in either of these books that you don't already know Right. So it's not urgent to run out and buy it and find that, oh, you know, this happened and that happened. It's, yeah. The story's been told. Yeah. So we'll um, get it. You know, I remember, um, you know, I, even though it's now turned out, I loved, you know, reading Wouldn't It Be Nice, even yeah, though sure now, I. you know, because I just thought it really captured the – the the pain and the idea, you know, when they talk about how many albums they did in the early 60s, you know, three or four albums a year, yep. all these hits, and it just helped to drive Brian crazy. Yep. <laughs> I agree. And uh, so – Tremendous amount of pressure. Yeah, you know, just incredible pressure. Um, what did you think of Love and Mercy, the, the film? Movie? Yeah, oh, I loved it. I loved it. I, I went to see it two times in the theater because I, you know, once it's out of the theater, you're going to be watching it at home on the TV. So I wanted right. to see it on the big screen and get the the whole experience. So I ran back down a second time, and the third time I was going to go, and my wife said, "You know, you're doing a little. It's a little too much. You're going to buy. <laughs> you're going to buy the video when it comes out. You know, it's not going to change." I said, "Yeah, okay, you're right." I do have the Blu-ray sitting sitting there. We've watched that a couple times already, but uh, I, I enjoyed it. You know, it's you know again, it, it was nothing really new in there that I didn't, didn't already know. Right. But it, it was a uh, you know it was good to see his story be told, and I think they did a good job on it. Yeah, I think so too. I think they did a beautiful job of capturing the creative process and. And the beauty of the music and um, the wrecking, you know, crew and yeah, well, well, that was really realistic looking. Yeah, um, you know the. By the way, I saw it twice too, John, and my wife <laughs> kind of said the same thing. Like, okay, again, um, the what I I, I was lucky enough. Um, a few months later, John Kuzak came to Dallas. For a um, pop culture, you know, convention, mm-hmm. and the line was, you know, forever to see him. And there are a lot of people with the say anything, you know, pictures and all this other stuff. And I, a good friend of mine, had drawn him um, as Brian Wilson with the striped shirt, mm-hmm. so it had the, you know early you know kind of beach boy look but with him a caricature of him and you know you only get a few seconds with them in this thing and he loved it and he said that he felt that it was a pretty special film he was glad to be part of it and then he said and the most important thing is i think brian liked the film and that was enough for me yeah yeah. So I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. You know, it seemed like he enjoyed being around the actors and any of the pictures you got to see with him. Absolutely. With them and he invited them on stage to perform a few times. So yeah. it seemed like it was something he really, really liked a lot. Mm-hmm. So, John, when did you start understanding Brian's role in the band and, and this kind of the the, you know, 
I remember reading, I think it was um, Brian Wilson, The California Myth, um, and talking about how unhappy he was and and the way he was used. And uh, I'll tell you, I I wrote to a – the address that was on an album I had. And, you know, and I wrote a letter and this was when I was 19, maybe. And I, you know, said, Hey, Brian, I just finished this book. And I I just wanted to tell you that I hope things are going better. And I was this sappy because his music was so important to me. And, um, gosh, a couple of months later, I actually got an assigned eight by 10 from him that said, you know, or, it did. It felt like him. I don't think it was a, you know, it could have been. Who knows? But it was like, hey, Jesse, thanks for the letter. Life is okay, Brian. And, um, you know, just amazing. So when, when did you understand that this, you know, that he was more than just another member of the band? Pretty much when, you know, I just became a hardcore fan. Yeah. When I started going back looking through the older records. I was still starting with the latest one because I figured they'd be the easiest out-of-print ones to find. Yeah. And I would find them, and I would see. I said, well, listen, then you got to talk to other people that were friends, and they, you know, you would learn things from them. I said, mm-hmm. oh, no, I didn't know that. You know, they have a whole album they never released, and that smile. And you learn, and I said, well, I miss this guy. And then you got to the older songs where all the hits were, and you see, he wrote everything. He sang everything. He produced yeah. everything. He said, oh, my God, you know, the guy's brilliant. And at the time I got hardcore into them, he was not there. Well, he right. was there, but he wasn't there. Yeah. So you would just wonder, where is, where is he? What's he doing? You know, why isn't he on these records? You know, nobody really knew yeah. All the problems until really until the David Leaf book came out. Yeah. And that kind of revealed a lot a lot about it. But that was pretty much it. Just as I discovered the music, I realized how how much he was to the band. Yeah. Um. Can you count how many times you've seen him, the the band perform, and then yeah. Ryan by himself? Uh. Well, starting with. That first time I saw them, I went every year that they came to Philadelphia. Right. So that would be at least eight, eight to ten times in the seventies, just in Philadelphia. I remember yeah. going to, to the Allentown uh, Fairgrounds in around seventy-three. I went to Princeton University to see them. Uh, I went to Madison Square Garden on Thanksgiving to see to see oh, them because I knew cool. Brian was going to be there in nineteen seventy-six. Uh, that was the first time I ever saw Brian in person. Uh, where else did I go? I don't think I traveled too many other places. Okay. Uh, to see them, but I would say I saw two. Um, uh, that's why God made the radio concerts. I saw two of those. Yeah. Uh, saw two Smile concerts when they first had them. I went up to Carnegie Hall to see that. Uh, plus the one in Philadelphia. So I would say between the group and him would be at least 30 times. Okay. At least. Yeah. Maybe a little bit more. Uh, I can remember I was I lived in Lake Charles, Louisiana, and um, I think he was in Lafayette, Louisiana, the boys, the Beach Boys. This would have been 78, 79. Um, uh, the Light album had been out, um, and that was one of the first new albums I guess uh, Endless Summer was the first one that I truly had bought. Uh, not Endless Summer, um, Keeping the Summer Alive. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was so happy to see them live. And we went every year. And then once we moved to Dallas, they came here every year. And we always went. We just, mm-hmm. it was there every time. Mm-hmm. Um, do you remember, John? Once, um, kind of this post, well, the first time seeing Brian after, you know, the, 
Brian Wilson first solo album, and you know this where he's kind of. I guess Landy is still there, but he's kind of coming on his own and touring. Do you, do you remember that show? What show that was? Uh, I, when I actually saw him yeah. the first time? Well, I saw him when the, his solo album was out, and okay. uh, they were touring with Chicago. And on some of the some of the shows, they were letting him come out and do... Uh, a couple of songs from his solo album. They would leave the stage, and he would be out there with Andy Paley and whoever else was in the band, you know, mm-hmm. his band at the time. And that would would have been, I guess, either late '88 or early '89. I forget. Right. They, they they came to Philly twice with Chicago, but he was only there the first time. And I uh, was lucky enough to get in a in a the owner's box at the Spectrum somehow. A, a relative of mine worked worked for the Spectrum. Nice. He got me in because. You know, I was so excited. Yeah, <laughs> and, sure. Uh, it was such a thrill to see him. He was thin. He was in shape. He was, you know, singing new songs. It, it was. There was only three songs, but it was wonderful. And uh, yeah, I think there's there's tapes of that. You know, crappy sounding cassette tapes of that still mm-hmm. floating around. Uh, but it was just just wonderful. It was such yeah. it was one of the most exciting you know concerts I saw, even if it was only. You know, for him, three songs. But, I mean, the whole show was good. Yeah. And they always do pretty well with Chicago. I, I don't know if it's that same time frame. It might have been where uh, they came to Dallas with Chicago. I don't remember him doing any solo songs, so he may not have been with them. I know the always, you know, my wife would always, okay, now, Jesse, if Brian isn't there, you can't sulk. All right. <laughs> like, yes, Linda. So we're going to go have a good time. And if Brian's not there, it's okay. I'm like, all right. <laughs> yes, ma'am. <laughs> so does that sound familiar? Yes. <laughs> oh, there's always the mystery. Is he going to be there tonight? And, uh, yeah. and somehow it came out on the radio that he was going to be there that night. Yeah. Which made it all even more exciting. Mm-hmm. He's going to be there. Yeah, and uh, you know to sit right on the side there in the in the owner's box is really neat. You know, and I'm just during that you know that eighty eight eighty nine time period where he would make guest appearances on TV shows or he right. nighttime or something, you know, and you just were don't embarrass, don't embarrass exactly. yourself, you know, <laughs> just it. Yeah, and there was such a at least for me, and that's why I wanted you to join me, John, because most people don't understand this, but there is such a love and a protectiveness as me as a fan. And I think for a lot of hardcore fans, we, we worry about Brian because of the joy he's given us. Yep. Oh yeah. Always were. Anytime you see him, you just, especially on TV. You're yeah, just sitting there with your fingers crossed and you know hoping it, it turns out okay. Yeah, and most of the time it did. There was a, you know there's been a couple of of uh, appearances that didn't go so well, but right. you know they're few and far between. Absolutely. Um, I, so I will tell you, and I, I'd love for you to share this experience similar if you have one like it. Um, he was touring and doing Pet Sounds live for the first mm-hmm. time. All together, they were going to have an orchestra here in Dallas. Mm-hmm. A friend of mine who is no longer with us, um, I said, hey, Rick, do you want to go with me? Because Linda doesn't want to uh, go because the tickets are going to be expensive. And he said, oh, just he had a connection. He got us you know, first row tickets. And yeah. so Linda and I went. And to see him happy mm-hmm. and see Brian healthy and see him singing and to hear pet sounds in a row, I I cried. <laughs> I had tears in my eyes, and I still say this is one of my top five concert uh, you know, shows of all times. Yeah, well, I agree. Yeah. So, pet sounds, the original pet sounds with the orchestra was – Spectacular, you know. He, he, he's like, "What's he going to do next?" All right, well, he's going to play old pet sounds. Okay, 
Yeah. And then next year, oh, I was going to play Smile. Yeah. You know, it was just a, it was a sequel at a a a, a a bag of riches. In other words, you just had so much. It was just so much being thrown at you. It was terrific. Yeah. So yeah, I, I totally agree. And it was um, I did was not lucky enough to see a smile. It did not come anywhere close enough here, yeah, but um, yeah, but certainly have enjoyed the documentary and and you know the film and certainly loved the album. Would play it over and over again after it came out. Um, so you are the moderator of an Imagination mailing group. Um, for those of you who don't know, Imagination was a solo album that Brian released. Talk about creating the mailing group and what was your goal and and we continue to be not always a very active group but a very loving group well the, the idea for it sprung believe it or not out of the negativity that a lot of people were throwing toward the album when it came out it's not the it's not Brian it's a bad production it's this I got sick of arguing with people so I said, well, you know, even back then, there was only so many fans. I mean, I'm sure where you live, you probably can't find another Beach Boys fan probably within 20 miles if you even know that they exist. And there's not a lot of friends that share the same thing with you. Oh. So anyway, there was pretty much nobody to really talk about it to. So I said, you know what, my, my, the people I talk to, they're on the Internet. I'm going to create something where we can all talk and there's not going to be none of this, you know, name call and the bickering and the, you know, I couldn't stand it. So I said, oh, let's start a group and see what happens. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people joined right away and uh, kind of been sitting with about 300 members for, since it started, which was around in, uh, I guess, 1998 or 97. I forget what the exact date is. I have to look on Yahoo to say it's been so long. But uh, right now, you know, it's just like uh, it's just a dead period. You know, you know, I used to try to push the conversation, come up with ideas, ask questions, and you know, I said, you know, it's kind of forcing the issue. If people don't want to talk, they shouldn't talk. You know, instead of just looking for activity. I mean, I don't make no money or nothing from it. Yeah. So I leave it to if somebody has something to say, they could say it, and if anybody wants to respond, respond. So. But it is really slow, and uh, it makes me wonder how many people are going to see the, the current tour, uh, since it doesn't seem to be anybody wanting to talk about it. So I, I don't know. I didn't go see this current Pet Sounds uh, tour. You know, I'm, and to be honest with you, I'm kind of Pet Sounds out. So I, I thank you for sharing that, because I I almost wrote this and sent it on the message board, you know, the email is when I saw him do Pet Sounds Live, I was amazed. And then um, I didn't get to see him when he toured with Imagination or everything. But then um, I saw the Beach Boys 50th anniversary mm-hmm. show um, within the same week of me seeing um, Springsteen in Louisville, Kentucky, which was kind of funny. And then uh, when he came on the um, peer pressure tour with Al and them, we went and saw him. Mm-hmm. And it was a great show, and I yep. was happy. But when I saw the Pet Sounds, I went, I don't think they're going to do anything unusual. Right. Um, I think it's going to be a similar set of the last time. Um, <laughs> yeah, and I just I don't know if I need to see it again. It's kind of the same way I felt. I've seen, you know, at least the first time. Besides seeing Pet Sounds, there was more variation in the, in the set, the non-Pet Sounds songs. Right. Now it's. Just the hits, yeah, and pet sounds. You know, I don't know if I need to see that anymore. And now I see they're going to tour all through next year. So, and you know, I got lucky. 
um, my company that I worked for before had an office in Winnipeg. So I was able to see the Gershwin show in Winnipeg, Canada. Okay. And so, you know, I saw that, you know, him do the Gershwin songs and then just afterwards. And it was, don't get me wrong, it was good, but it, it felt in a lot of ways just a, another rock and roll tour. You know, mm -hmm. they've got the same set list, they're going to do the same thing, and they're, I don't want to say they're just going through the motions, but it, it was kind of the same way. I've quit going to see the Mike Love version of the Beach Boys because I'm like, right there's there was a time when I loved seeing them every summer, and now then I just – I don't need to see that again. It's in mm -hmm. my memory. I'm happy. What do you think, John? Same exact thing. I yeah. I think the last time I saw them was uh, they were on the beach down in Atlantic City. Yeah. And that was the last time and it was okay, but you know, it was it was what it was. And I don't want to see that anymore. I would love to see just one time a Brian Wilson solo tour, but they say there's no money in it. They think they feel people want to see him singing the hits. Yeah. And uh, you know, they know more than me. So but you know, I you know, the the original Pet Sound I saw the Pet Sounds tour twice. Before. Yeah. I, I don't know. You know, I don't really. As much as I like the album, I don't. I don't think I want to see see it again. So. Yeah. Hopefully and, he's going to do this rock and roll album, and I don't know if he's going to tour that or whatever. Mm -hmm. But I guess it remains to be seen. Did you like uh, the No Peer Pressure? Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. I did too. I, I was. I love that. I was so glad that we got to see it before they started taking new songs out of the set list. Right. You know, just about everything that they performed from it, they performed the night I went uh, to see it. So yeah. I was happy as could be with that show. And, uh, you know, it's always good to see new music. Yes. You know, and uh, that, that's what was great about it. And I was just playing that album today, as a matter of fact. I still play it. It's The album is one of my favorite albums. It's my favorite solo album by him. And really, it would have been, a, I think, if it had been a Beach Boys album, it would be like one of the best Beach Boys albums ever. I, I totally agree. It was really just surprisingly, I thought it was really well done. Um, the people that joined him, I think, weren't weren't just kind of um, for promotional purposes. I think there really mm -hmm. was a musical connection there. And so mm -hmm. I, I totally agree with you, John. Um, so I... I wanted to just talk to you a little bit. Um, I haven't read Mike Love's book yet, and, and I try to understand that he had – he does have a purpose of – you know, he was part of that early success. But it is really hard in a fandom not to have that – well, you the Mike Love side or the Brian Wilson side? Right. What right. What do you think about that? Well, he doesn't help things by a lot of the things that he says and a lot of the things that he's done. I agree. And uh, I think he's the main reason why so many people don't, you know, don't like him. He's, he's kind of made it a, a either either or kind of thing, you know. Yeah. Uh, him more than anybody should be understanding of. of you know what his cousin went through, and he, especially now, yeah. After the movie, he just kind of belittles, almost belittles it. I don't know, belittles the, the correct word to use. But yeah. He just kind of yeah, and Brian, yeah, Brian's sick, and Brian's this. Brian. And on the other hand, I remember going to the concerts where Brian wasn't there. Yeah. And half the audience yelling, "Where's Brian? Where's Brian?" And you know you wonder what the what goes through their heads, you know, like yeah. you know he's not here. You came to see us, and mm -hmm. but everybody's asking for him and the guy. You know, so you, you kind of can understand, especially him, because he wrote so many, co-wrote so many of the songs. Right. And all he, he hears about is that Brian Wilson's a genius. Brian Wilson this, and I guess I might say, well, you know, hey, I what about me? I, 
Yeah. I wrote some of these songs. So you kind of can understand it, but I don't know if uh, I would handle it the same way he do. You know, a lot of the things he says turns people off. So. Yeah. Um, were you lucky enough to see Carl Wilson, uh, the solo, the no, any solo shows? No, no, I didn't even. I don't know if he even came here. I don't even know where he went. All I ever see is the uh, New York uh, bootlegs out there. So I don't, I don't know how, where he went. When I remember seeing the Beach Boys without him when he was on when he was solo. Right. And that was uh, not one of the better shows I ever. Oh, saw. I can imagine. So I got very, very lucky. We were living in Lake Charles, and we came to visit Dallas. Uh, my, my, at the time, my girlfriend, now my wife, um, brother lived in Dallas, and it was the Agoria Ballroom off Northwest Highway in Dallas. Carl Wilson was going to play solo. And I'm like, oh, we've got to go, we got to go, we got to yeah, go. Yeah, yeah. And sure enough, we did go. Linda and I went. Um, you know, it was mostly just that first album, right. and he threw in a couple other songs. Um, but it was so cool to see Carl, you know, trying to do, you know, something creative and work. And so, right. you know, and he has such, his voice is just so amazing. So that was kind of cool. Yeah, I missed out on that. I yeah. don't know where where I was when that happened, but right. yeah. that I missed it somehow. So, um, thank you. You've you've been a wonderful guest. I'm I'm not going to keep you much longer. But is there any? Do you have any other? Do you have a Beach Boy or Brian story that we haven't got to that you might want to share? Of uh, something, a personal experience. Sure. Or? Yeah. Uh, well, I've only had three personal experiences with them over the years. One was after the second concert that I ever saw them uh, do. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, high school buddy that went to the show with me we, after the show, said, eh, come on, let's go get something to eat. And there's a famous roast beef place in South Philly, Nick's Roast Beef. I don't know if you've ever heard of it, but no. at the time it was really a big place to go to. And we went in the back and we're sitting there waiting for our food, and the door, the back door opens, and Carl Wilson, Blondie Chaplin, and I don't remember who the other two guys were, come right in and sit down and order roast beef sandwiches. <laughs> it was really strange. And you were just, we couldn't believe we were elbowing each other. And yeah. I just waved over, and Carl acknowledged it. He, he asked me, and I couldn't go over and talk to him. Anymore, right. But I, I missed it. It was a missed opportunity. Mm-hmm. But that was a one experience. The other one was uh, when Mike was doing his uh, solo shows the end of the summer uh, with the sure. celebration, and but he, the Beach Boys were coming to town, and he did a uh, appearance at a Peaches record store. Mm-hmm. A friend of mine and me rode up there, and we got to meet him, and he, he signed my Pet Sounds and my 15 big ones, and. Uh, it was nice as could be until he accused me of fixing fixing the ticket draw. They had a free tickets, and you just put your name in the barrel there. And uh, yeah. I put my name in, and they pulled my name out and gave me the tickets. I already had tickets, but yeah. and he started, hey, yeah, he, he, he accused me of uh, stuffing the box, which I didn't do. But he, he was fine as could be. Wow. You know, nothing snarky or nothing about it. Mm-hmm. And then the other times, actually four times, I think I met Brian backstage for uh, – you know, signing sessions, and uh, was, uh, the one for the Pet Sound show was pretty strange. He was, everybody was back there, uh, I don't know who was, uh, Diane Ravel was backstage. Okay. I think Corey was back there, and I, me and another friend, we didn't know nobody. The person that got us the passes wasn't there. Yeah. And, you know, you don't know anybody. Huh? Right. So we're looking around, where's Brian? And you see him peeking around the corner, and he comes walking out and shake hands with him, and he signs my program. And over my shoulder, he saw Diane Rosell, and he got all excited. And that was the end, and we never saw him again. <laughs> so, um, my, only, my only touch with greatness was um, when the, he was doing the book tour, he came to Dallas for Wouldn't It Be Nice? Mm-hmm. And I did – I mean, he – he never looked up. 
He didn't shake my hand. He was just signing the book. But I do have a signed copy of the book. And, um, you know, and I got to tell him, you know, I I'm looking forward to the next album. And I just thank you for your music. So um, pretty funny. Um, Is there a favorite song or songs that might have a special meaning for you? Um, like because of, you know, your family or something that's maybe helped you through a tough time or just the song that brings you? I just have a favorite song. Okay. And it's my favorite song of all time by anybody from any era of any type of music. And it's Wouldn't It Be Nice. To me, that recording is just, it's like being in heaven. I could, you know, I could almost be my, be my baby. Yeah, kind of song where I can sit there and listen to that thing a thousand times in a day. It's just, and especially now that you can, you know, you have the isolated vocals, you have the yeah. music track, and you can just hear just how magnificent that record is. And, and it's just two and a half minutes, and it's, it's the greatest recording by anybody, in my opinion. It's just, it's perfect. It's just the harmony is beautiful, the music's beautiful, the melody is beautiful, the singing is beautiful. The words are great. Everything about it is just yeah. terrific. Um, in 1984, um, after dating four and a half years, uh, Lynn and I got married, and we got into her 1984 Ford Escort. And um, as after the wedding, we're driving off, and I put in a cassette and play Wouldn't It Be Nice. Right? <laughs> because you know wouldn't it be nice if we were married right. um and i will tell you on love and mercy at the end when she says what's next and you start hearing that song uh-uh, yeah, i lose yeah. it yep i lose it every time i watch the movie same thing so, yeah, <laughs> the same exact feeling i got when i because i wasn't expecting it i wasn't either yeah and it came it was just so perfect it, yes it was the perfect thing for that moment i agree with you i totally absolutely (laughs) john this has been a joy thank you so much i have i i've almost uh, listeners i have almost stalked john i have been asking him the moment i start doing (laughs) this podcast um i'm like john you got to come talk about brian you got to talk about brian and and he graciously we've tried to work through schedules he graciously did so i really appreciate it um if someone wants to get on the mailing list, how can they? Uh, you have to have a. Well, I don't know if you even have to have a Yahoo account, but I, there's a way to do it. But it's been so long, I'm not sure. But you could easily open up a Yahoo account. It's just you have to go to Yahoo Groups. Okay. And it's imagination at yahoogroups.com, and you should be able to find the group once you join Yahoo. All right. And we could use some fresh opinions there. It's uh, yes, you know, we could. It's stagnant. So anybody um, that wants to join in, please yeah. go and uh, hopefully say your piece, and we'll be happy to respond to it. Yeah, and I, I will. I'll I'll dig it up in a link on how you can join, and I'll put it in the show notes. We'll also be posting this um, in the group once we go out in a couple of weeks. You know, hey, here's a link so you can hear this. Yeah, um, yeah. I know you're a very private man and not doing a lot of uh, social media, but um, – is there any way someone could reach you that you want to share, and it's okay if not? Uh, the, the easiest way is right through the through the group there. Okay, sounds through awesome. The, yeah, and I'm uh, you can I'm pretty sure you can still private email people too. I'm, I okay. think. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I um, need to get back on the book because well, Yahoo makes a lot of changes too, so there may be changes there that I'm not even aware of. Absolutely. Because you really don't have to do anything. There's really no management there. You just it's just there. Right. So unless somebody's making trouble, you got to give them the boot, which yeah. nobody's doing. So. No, we, we're a well-behaved group, and it seems like a lot of a lot of love in there. Yeah. Um, so if you want to be on the podcast and talk about your musical passion, be it Bruce Springsteen or Brian Wilson or others, uh, send me an email to setlustingbruce at gmail.com. I we have a Facebook page, Set Lessing Bruce, and I'm on Twitter at Set Lessing Bruce. My personal Twitter is at Jesse Jackson DFW and would love to hear from you. Um John, this was amazing. Uh thank you so much. And Thanks for having me. 
um, I'm going to end with at a movie you can feel it touching your heart. And on every day of the summertime, you'll hear children chasing ice cream carts. They'll play it on your wedding day. There must be about a million ways to add some music to your day. And we all have a better life because of their music. Yep. Thank you, listeners. And thank you, John. Thank you. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.